Bring your greetings this evening again in the precious name of Jesus. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I'm grateful for that this evening, that we have a hope as the songs were sung this evening. And when they were singing, we had the privilege of helping to sing all hail the power of Jesus' name. I thought maybe the seams of the tent were going to rip and we're going to just have an open service this evening. But it wasn't quite like that tonight. But my friends, I'm grateful that our prayers and our praises can ascend right through the roof here. Because God is powerful. Today I preached about a sermon on the church. And the church of Jesus Christ is very alive and is doing well. And it is a hope. If we have hope in this life, only we're of all men most miserable, the Bible says. But we have a living hope. In German it says, We have in Hoffnung. We have a hope that shall never die. It's something, my friends, we live in a world where there's not a lot of security and there's not a lot of hope in this world. There's a lot of things that look dark to many people, my friends. But if our flag, you know, the Bible says in Psalm 85, it says, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? My friends, tonight, I trust that we are rejoicing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we as Christians, if our flag is flowing and it's flowing from the castle of our heart may it be high lifted up for the world to see not our own works but the father in heaven can be glorified there's too many christians i believe that are walking around upon the face of the earth on this strange land they've got their flags in half mass because of some kind of a tragedy i don't know i believe tonight that the biggest tragedy is found in the hearts of men my friends, there's a lot of tragedies in our world today, but may our hearts be, the flag of our heart of joy be flown from the castle of our heart and that the world could see that the king is in residence there. Amen. Amen. Tonight I'm grateful that we have one that not just died, suffered and died for us, and that he rose again in the sun of the heaven, but the Bible says that he's coming again. The Bible says in John chapter 14, in verse 1 through 3, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. For in the Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will receive you unto myself, that where am I, I am, there you may be also. My friends, that is a blessing. You know, tonight, in the Jewish culture, it was always the practice of those that were done eating. That they would fold their, that they would wrap up their napkin in a clump and they would throw it beside the plate. But my friends, tonight, when the roll, the rock was rolled away on that Lord's Day morning, where was the napkin laid? The Bible said it was folded. It was up beside the head where Jesus lay. And that tells me, according to the Hebrew culture, that when the napkin was folded together in a nice way, that he's going to be back to finish his work. My friends, the work on Calvary is done. But he's coming again. The napkin's folded. My friends, he's coming again. Those four words in chapter, in chapter 14, verse 3, tell us that I will come again. And I trust tonight that you're looking forward to that. And we need to understand that he has given us the power with the aid of the Holy Spirit. I believe when he left his 12 disciples, he had given them some direction. You know, the Bible says, the brother shared tonight in Mark chapter 8, he says, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and follow me. But it goes on just a little bit further. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he says, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself daily and follow me. You know, we have a cross to bear daily. It is a walk of faith, my friends. 
tonight, if you haven't given yourself to that, would you do so tonight? There's opportunity. You know, we've had meetings here for many days. And you know, maybe there's someone here that squandered the opportunity. I don't know if you have or not. You have to be faithful to the Holy Spirit. And if you're not, you have to answer to Him. It's a serious stuff. The Bible says in German, as is in Himself, it's a fearful thing, as it says in Hebrew, to fall into the hand of the living God, especially if you're not ready to die. So when you say, as Amos did in chapter 4, verse 12, prepare to meet thy God tonight, because He's coming back, and it's reality. Some, for some of us, it's going to be sooner than others. And may it be, I, my heart's desire would be that Jesus Christ could come to the clouds before we would die, that we would have, wouldn't have to seek death. But my friend, I don't know if that's going to be the way it is or not. But He's coming again, and I'm grateful for that tonight. You know, in the Jewish culture, tonight I'd like to just turn our attention to 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3. And I'd like to read tonight the most message going to be that there the promise of His coming. And I'd like for us to understand unless we, unless we are faithful, unless we enjoy God's presence here in this life that we're living in, we're not going to enjoy when He comes back. Do you think you'll enjoy to see Him come back if you're not ready for Him? Absolutely not. You know when I think that I will come again, I don't know about you. I have homesickness for heaven. That's one place that I've never been. That people say, well, you can't be homesick for a place you've never seen. I have seen enough, and I know the heart of God in here. It is alive. His spirit is true. My friends, he has told me enough that I want to go there, and I'm homesick to get there. But it's an awful thing. The Bible says the terrible day of the Lord. My friends, because I believe it's going to be in a different way than we ever expected. No eye has seen, no ear heard, no hasn't entered into the heart of man. What God has prepared for those who love Him in His appearance. You know, we, we love it. We haven't, we have no eye. We have a little glimpse of it here. The Bible talks about, but we don't really know. We don't really know. And we don't know how it's going to be on that last day. We know that He's coming back. You know, we're going to be caught up. My friends tonight, this afternoon, I talked to a brother, brother bishop, brother friend of mine. And he, you know, he said, you know, he talked to me about my eschatology belief, and we didn't go into that much. But my friends, you know, I do believe that we're going to be out of here before the wrath of God is going to be poured out upon the world. Why? Because God will not pour His wrath out on His people. I'm not saying that we're going to be able to divert any kind of tribulation. You know, there's pre-trib and post-trib and all of that stuff. I'm not going to get into that tonight because I know have kind of my idea of eschatology, but I do believe, my friends, that as Sodom and Gomorrah, the first, just Lot, we say, well, just Lot, he wasn't very just, and yet the Bible said he was, and I don't understand all that, but he was taken out, what, before the fire and brimstone came down upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And we read about Jonah. Jonah and his family were there in the ark before, and God closed the door by himself, my friends. He was in there safe, and before he poured his wrath up, out upon the earth. And my friends, I do believe that we're going to be out of here. I don't know if you call it rapture or caught up sure, whatever you want to call it. We're going to be out of here. We're going to be caught up together in the clouds with Him forever. My friends, let me tell you, you know, we sing that song. It's a beautiful song. We all like to sing that song on that bright and cloudless morning. You know, I don't know, my friends, I don't know if that's scriptural or not. In Acts chapter 1, it talks about the two men in white that were standing there when they gazed at Jesus when He ascended to heaven. He said in like it said he went up and through the clouds, and likewise as you see him go, in like manner he's going to come back. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18 to 16, it says there that he's going to come back and he's going to come through the clouds. With a shout, with the voice of the archangel, 
and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and those which are God in Christ Jesus remain, they shall be caught up together. And that's what we're looking for. That is the purpose of being here tonight, that we are here, that we prepare our hearts, souls, getting them ready to meet the Lord, my friends. One soul, my friend, tonight, you know, my dad is 95 years old. He's an old older man. He lives out there at Hutchinson, and he's got a good mind and good body, and he does, he's got a big spray because he does a lot of spray. And, you know, he, I talked to him, and there's one thing, you know, he's widowed now. But then he said that if one soul could just get a little bit of help, it would be worth their trip to go to Virginia. And I didn't come out to just help. So I came to praise the Lord and honor Him and glorify Him. And if He has the moving of the Spirit in your hearts, then glorify Him, not anything. If there's any good that comes out of His service, we dare not touch it with the smallest of our fingers. It's God's work. You know, I get to somewhere to have meetings, and, uh, you know, I say, I'm here, you know, we're having revival, you've asked me to come. And, you know, a brother, I said, I cannot bring you revival tonight. I can't bring you, I couldn't bring you revival all week. Because why? I don't, I'm not the Holy Spirit. And you could send me home. They could have sent me home the first night. If that's what they wanted me to bring revival, I cannot do that. All I can do is just be a servant of God, humble myself under the mighty hand of God, and allow Him to use us in a special way. You know, turn your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 3. I'd like to read in that chapter. It says here in 2 Peter chapter 3, in this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Remembrance of what? Remembrance, as we read here, what happened in the prior? It says that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and it says the commandments uh, as the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, there shall be scoffers, and there shall be those that are walking after their own lusts. And in verse 4, and say, where is the promise of His coming tonight? My friends, we have a government that we're living in. And I'm not anti-government. In fact, I pray for our government, the legislation, and for, uh, Barack, for uh, not Barack Obama, but for Trump. I pray for him every day. You know, the thing of it is, that is what we are, that is the injunction that Apostle Paul gave Timothy. In Timothy, he says that we are to pray for those in authority and those over the land. Why? Because they have the rule over the land. You know, are we of this kingdom of this world? No, we're not, my friends. We're not. But we need to pray for them. We need to pray for them. God put them in place for a reason. And so we need to understand we live in a time where there's many people that are scoffing about Christianity and about the church of Jesus Christ. And if you live a holy life and so forth, my friends, you know it says, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens of old, it says, and the earth standing out of the water, it says, and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, it perished. And we all know the story. In, we know the story there in Genesis about Noah. And in verse 7 it says, In the heavens and the earth, it says, Which are now by the same word kept in store, reserved unto fire. It says against what? Against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. You know, 
Literally the world think that the, the people in the world back in Noah's day that's going to be destroyed by water. Why? Because it had never rained. My friend, let me tell you tonight, we've never had a firestorm. What we're talking about here tonight, there is a firestorm coming that there's not a one of us that have seen it yet. And it is an, an fury to himself. It is a fearful thing, my friends. If you're not ready, one day this world's going to be burned up. Going to be burned up. Verse 8, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And it says in verse 9, and the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He is not slack, my friends, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering toward us. It says, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is the heart of God tonight. You know, we preach repentance all week long. You know, we need to have repentance. I don't care how many times you make a confession. You make a commitment to Christ. My friends, unless there is repentance there, I don't believe we've hit rock bottom yet. We need to repent a repentance. That is, there is no sorrow for it. Judas had a sorrow. He was sorry for what he did. But, you know, we know that Peter also had a sorrow. But it was a sorrow not to be repented of. It was a godly sorrow. The night the cop crew after he denied Jesus Christ, we read about that. I believe Jesus looked over at Peter when the cop crew and Peter broke. Tonight I trust that if you've got something in your life, if there's a pride issue or anything, my friends, that you would in your mind's eye see the face of Jesus tonight and that he can look at you and it would bring you to your knees. It would bring all of us to our knees. We don't risk repent once, but it is a life of repentance. It is a life of seeking the face of God and humbling ourselves, my friends. That's the way it is. And yet we live in the hopeful assurance that Jesus Christ is our Savior. And he's, He gives us presence tonight. He gives us ever presence. We've got something the Bible talks about in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. It says the prince of the power of the air. My friend, tonight, I don't know if it applies or not, but we've got so many mechanical and technical devices that the honeybees are starting to crawl around instead of fly. Why? Because they're so full of electric magnetic rays. And if they are, what about us humans? We've become dull puppets to the world. And we've got all this stuff. And it's out there in the prince of the power of the air. And my friends, let me tell you, there's so many times that those devices they give us an ever-presence. I have seen people that are on those things all the time. And I can't even see how they can get their dishes washed, diapers washed. Well, we don't have that. We have pampers. But the thing of it is, you know, we don't even get our work done. Why? Because it gives an ever present. And then my friends, let me tell you tonight, I'll say it as kind as I can. I do believe it is another onslaught of Satan taking a good thing, a good device, and it's become corrupt and defiled. And mankind left to himself will destroy himself. We will abuse those things, my friends, unless it is discipline. There is discipline. Let me tell you tonight, if you are a Christian, you're a disciple of Christ. And the word disciple, actually, the word discipline is root out of disciple. I don't know if you know that or not. Discipline. I don't care if we have the strongest commitment to Christ of anyone in the world. We still need discipline. And it's not that we can work out and to be saved. The Bible does say work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But I do believe that we need to have discipline on those things. It is a device that is giving trying to replace the presence of the Holy Spirit. Young people, I love to see you up here. You know, we don't we would like you here. You know, I don't I don't really want you back there because we want to be close to you. We love you. We want you. You're tender souls. And tonight, 
May our prayers go out to all those that have responded this past 10 days and that the Lord would be kind to them and they could sense the arms of God around them, my friends, to give them nurture and courage. And a lot of that comes to the arm of the church. And would you be, would you be generous to them? And they have a delicate journey, perhaps, those commitments that were made and so forth. And tonight, if there is someone here that has not responded to the gospel, there's still time tonight that you would do so. Don't tarry because the Lord is going to come. He could come for us tonight before we get out on 81 or 33. He could come out before we get on 11. He could come for us any moment, my friends, any one of us. Or we could pass out right here. Let me get to Walmart, I might. <laughs> we have a God that loves us. But we need to have an ever ready understanding that He's coming again. You know, back in the Jewish uh, culture, it still is part of that way. There's other cultures in the world that a young man would like to have a young girl. And I had a youth evening the other evening with Ellis and David and some of those, and I enjoyed that with the youth. But, we, you know, the thing of it is we're never done and youth are never done, you know. And so that's good. They're always inquisitive, and uh, that's good. And uh, we don't always have the answer. But, you know, in the Jewish culture, there was a young man who would like to be married. And so he goes to his daddy and he says, I'd like to have this girl. Would you get her for me? And the daddy, he goes and makes arrangements. And, you know, maybe the other father says it's okay. And the daughter is uh, ready to, to be the bride. And... Uh, you know, the dowry is given and everything, and the father and the future bridegroom, they go home. Why do they go home? They go home, and they prepare a place for that young bride. They take her, you know, and, and before, my, before they left, there was something there that the bridegroom, the future bridegroom gave her, and that was a robe, a special robe. It's called perhaps the robe of righteousness. As she goes out, and she mingles with the world, that she can put that on. What does that say? That she's already been taken, my friends. She's not available anymore. Well, what would you take, my friends, this boy, this bridegroom, future bridegroom, he goes, he goes away to prepare a place for his young bride. That is the culture of the Hebrew, my friends. And you know, you've got this young, this young bride-to-be, and she's got this, she's got, she's waiting on him. She doesn't never know when he's going to come back. But there's one thing that's going to happen before he comes back. There's going to be a forerunner coming back, and he's going to be shouting, the bridegroom cometh, the bridegroom cometh, my friends. And he, she never knows. All she knows does, is to be ready for when he comes. She doesn't know the day or the hour. The Bible says that the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Will come as a thief in the night, my friends. We don't know. But this young girl, she gets lonely. And she's by herself there. And you know, it's like, you know, yeah, she's got this robe of righteousness. But she never really hears that much from the bridegroom. He doesn't stay in touch a lot. And the thing of it is, she starts to venture out into town. She goes down to the market and she buys a few things. And you know, she kind of likes going down there. And the next, the next week she goes down there again. And there's a young man behind the counter. And she kind of likes him. And there's kind of eye contact. And there's kind of a connection there. And so the next time she goes down there, she buys the merchandise. And it was quite a load. And so he, she, she, he helped her to go just a little bit down the road. And he turns back. And about two weeks later, you know, the thing of it is, here she goes down and she gets some more groceries. And here she says to the young, young man, asks, can I take that home for you? And she said, well, yeah, in her heart she knew that she was already spoken for. But she said, yeah, you know, the bridegroom, I've been spoken for, but he's not coming back, my friends. And so they develop this, this contact and there's a connection there. And the next time they go down there and she goes down there to the market, you know, 
they uh, make eye contact, and there's a connection there. There's something there. There, she has fallen in love with the world. My friends, the thing of it is, she invites him into her apartment, and they're sitting there playing games and drinking tea or whatever, and, and she's fellowshipping with the world. My friends, if we love the world more than God, we're not going to be ready to meet him, Jesus Christ. My friends, tonight, you know, and they were there involved in each other, and they were, she was enjoying the things of the world, the bride, the bridegroom-to-be. She was spoken for. She had the robe of righteousness. You know, that was that identification. And here, this man, this strange man was there taking her attention. And all of a sudden, she heard something. And she said, what was that? What was that? There was a sound of a trumpet. And there was somebody saying, the bridegroom cometh, the bridegroom cometh. And when he came, he opens and throws the door open, my friends. And there she was in the arms of the world. And I believe that's exactly the way it's going to be with a lot of us. We get so involved. And, you know, we get so lackadaisy. You know, we have a land of affluence because we're trying to finance that, my friends, because we have so much finance and we don't know what to do with but we try to accumulate all these things and we're so busy uh, financing our affluence that one day, my friends, I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back and it's going to be a surprise to many. The Bible says that we are to look for His appearance. We are to be looking for that. Tonight, if you're not looking for Him and His appearance, my friend, I wonder if you're even ready to see Him. If you don't like His presence now, you sure won't on that day. And there's signs of His coming, my friends. That's the prominent because there's signs of His coming. The signs of His coming are all around us. You know, most of us have seen two of the greatest tragedies in this world, in this time that we're living in. And that was 9-11. And that was the Katrina hurricane down in Florida. Terrible things have happened. There's signs of His coming. And yet the Lord has not come. And so there's people that sit back. You know, the 9-11 thing, it caused a lot of people to turn to the Lord and evaluate their lives. At least they had some kind of a repentance, but it wasn't a godly sorrow. Churches started to build up. But I believe that very thing, when, when they had just a little taste of that very thing, and they scoffed at the coming of Jesus Christ, and they turned away, my friends, and I believe, my friends, they have become inoculated against the truth. And we have a shift in our nation today that I don't even think that the churches would fill up after another catastrophe. They would blame the Christians. And I'll tell you what, it's just around the corner that the Christians are going to be blamed for things and they're going to be persecuted for it. Today we take in America, we're free. Young people, when your faith is called up, will it stand? I don't know. You know, when Jesus Christ comes back, will he find faith upon the earth? You know, that is very, that is very touching tonight. To, to believe that one day we may see Jesus come back. We may see uh, our land in persecution. And you know, will we stand? Will we stand? I trust we all will. I trust that we have nailed those things down in our life upon the principles and truths of God's Word in a day of freedom that we know where we stand, my friends. But take heed, the Bible says in Corinthians, when thou takest, thou standest, that take heed lest thou fall. You know, let's not get arrogant about it, but there is something that man can fall. You know, once we've done everything we know how, we still find ourselves as unworthy creatures. Unworthy. It's only through the righteousness of the shed blood of Jesus Christ that we can boldly proclaim His name. 
and that's humbling. That's humbling. There's signs of his coming, my friend. He's coming back. And you know what? There's not a lot we can do about it. I don't care what you want to do about it. I don't care if you want to hide. I don't care if you want to move out of the country, go to the moon or Mars. You'll never get away from God. And God is coming back, my friends. He will come back one day to receive unto himself a bride that is free from sin. No sin at all. It's spotless, without wrinkle, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5. A bride that is precious. And that's what he's looking for. A bride that is precious tonight. Have you grown cold? Have you grown indifferent? Is the love that you had for Jesus the night that you came before Him? Was it at home in bed? Was it somewhere else before the altar here? Is the love that you've once known now grown cold? Is a fire still burning in your soul? If it's not tonight, I pray that it would be lit. Be lit. And if it is lit and it's smoldering, the Bible says that He is faithful in His mercy and He's not going to quench the smoldering flax. But He's going to be there. That's the mercy of God. Tonight, if we wait and we become indifferent and we become cold, that we allow the Spirit of God to move in our lives. Tonight, would the Spirit of God, as a fragrance, waft through this community, not just through this tent, but the community, because of your life and mine tonight, because it has been flamed by the Word of God. It has been flamed by the Holy Spirit. My friends, He is so faithful. And He's all-powerful. He's all-powerful. It's not of us, it's of God. Tonight, where do we find friendship? If we find friendship with the world, we're going to die with the world. But if we're going to allow ourselves to be separated from the world, God is going to take us and He's going to make us a peculiar special people. A called out people. The Bible says that we are called out. You know, we're called out of darkness into what? Marvelous light. Amen. Into marvelous light. Are we that light? We are to let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify ourselves. No, our Father which is in heaven. Glorify the Father in heaven, not ourselves. He is the light. He is the light, my friends. The signs of His coming. You know there's wars and rumors of wars and all kinds of things. The Bible does say that in the latter days that things are going to get worse and worse. And it says, unless he shortens the day, the Bible says the very elect will be deceived. There's young people that are mouthing that. They know that verse. Praise God. Never forget that. It's going to be shortened. The days are going to be shortened unless the very elect are going to be deceived. And so if it talks about the very elect being deceived, take heed, my friends, that we fall not outside of the grace of God. Tonight, I don't know how your doctrine is, how you feel. But I believe that a person can be a believer and he can fall. He can fall from that very commitment he's made. And it's something that the Old Testament is completely full of that principle. It was the people of God had fallen away and he pled with them to come back. Come back. Come back to me, Israel. Come back. And that's what he's doing tonight. If we've fallen back, he's pleading with us tonight to return to him. Come back home. Come back home. Into the fold of Jesus Christ. His heart is bleeding tonight. 
And I believe there are people tonight sitting here that are on the parapet right on the edge of decision. And they don't know for sure what to do. God brings us perhaps to a valley of decision. There are two ways. We need to make a choice. And tonight I believe that the Heavenly Father is sitting there. And perhaps if there's someone in need here tonight. That he's seeing the evil angels out here in the celestial roundabout. So we can't see the unknown, the unseen. If we could see that, we would tremble, my friends. But I believe that he can see that there is powers of darkness that are out. And they are alarming the kingdom of heaven about this operation going on here in Harrisburg, Virginia tonight. And they don't want righteousness to prevail. And I trust that we can pray the blood of Jesus and unrighteousness has to go. And it gives entrance for the Holy Spirit to find a way and to come in. And to make his home and abode in one that is on the edge of decision tonight. May you be going forward in boldness tonight. Because God loves you. God has given his life for you. He has died for you. And tonight it doesn't matter who's in the crowd. It doesn't matter if your family's here or your friends. And you've been running around town with them tonight. And you know the thing of it is. There's so many times that we are afraid what people think. Oh I can't make a commitment tonight. But tonight, the reason that I ask people to come forward, if there is something in their life they'd like to change or commit their life to Jesus Christ for the first time tonight, I would ask them to come. What is that? It's not just for the public to see. It is meaning business, my friends. You can do it beside your bed, and hallelujah, if that happens. But if you do it in front of the congregation, the assembly as we have it, look at the accountability and the, the prayers that are going to be lifted up for you. And you can always look back when you become discouraged and you can say, the devil has got to go. I drove that state that day there in Harrisburg, Virginia, you know, in August the 5th at 9 o'clock in 2018. And you know, you have to flee. I drove that state and I'm on fire. I'm going to stay on fire until I die or he comes again. We have to be intentional. If we're not intentional in this day and age, we will never make it. We will not make it. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? But I believe that. We need to be intentional. Why? Because I'll tell you why. We are being burdened. God's people are being oppressed with the things of the world. And the world hasn't gotten more worldly. They've just got more things. The devil knows, the Bible says, when there was war in heaven. In Matthew, in Revelation chapter 12, it talks about when Michael had fought against the devil, the dragon, and his angels. We know that he went and he was thrown down a third of the angels on the earth. There was war made. And there's where he's at today. He's got that to contend with, my friends. And he knows, the Bible says in that chapter, that he knows he's got very little time. And the onslaughts are becoming greater and greater. Let's make sure if the world is not getting any worldlier, my friends, that the church isn't the thing that is getting worldly. That's what happens many times. It's not the world. The world's always been the world. People say, oh, the world's terrible. That's true. The world will always be the world. The thing that I see that happens is that the church, the Christians, become worldly. Is there anything like a worldly Christian? Is there anything like a carnal Christian? Is there anything like a sensual Christian? My Bible says that it is either flesh or it is spirit. Tonight, we can't expect having hope in Jesus Christ, but we stay two, three, four steps behind the world. We enjoy the things they got to offer. My friends, they enjoy the king's meat. My Daniel, my friends, in Daniel chapter 
what was it? Chapter 1, verse 8, it says that he purposed in his heart not to file himself with a portion of the king's meat. He was a young man in a strange land. But he had nailed down his convictions. We enjoy too much of the world. And if we enjoy the world, we're not going to want to see him coming. We won't want to see him coming. We're going to walk, pray the rocks and the mountains over us. We don't want to see him coming. Are there scoffers in our day? There's scoffers in our day, my friends. Tonight there's scoffers. Let's continue to read here. And in verse 10 it says, But the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. It tells you that which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. And it says that the elements, my friends, what is elements? Elements are, they are materials. They are uh, aggr aggregate. They are granite. They are iron. They are things that are going to melt like water. I believe that. When the Bible says they shall pass away, it says with a great noise. And there's going to be fervent heat. I believe it's going to be a noise like we've never ever heard before. I believe that bomb that was dropped over in Hiroshima after World War II there in August was the 16th of 1945. I believe that's going to make the second coming of Christ look like a Sunday school picnic. There was 875,000 people died in that bomb. The other day they come in and bomb Nawashaki. I don't know how many of you. I was coming out of the World War II days. I remember reading about it, my friend. It was terrible. It was awful. But the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, my friends, is going to be so much different. So much different. The whole world is going to be different. By the way, that awful, awful World War II claimed 36 million lives total. The signs of his coming. We've got hot spots all across. The Bible talks about the wars and rumors of wars. That we have a president that wants to keep everything watered down. And praise God, I'm glad that I'm not working no war, no nuclear war. But there's rumors all over the place. The war drums are beating, my friends. All over. We never know. This world is not my home. We're only passing through. Is that the way that you live your life? That we're not of this world. People have accepted the spirit of Baal. They have, you know, in the day of Noah, he had made preparations. You know, he went to build the ark. Why? God had told him to. Why? Because the people were wicked. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, it says that they were wicked and how repented God and he even made them. But there was one man, the Bible says, in Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, that he found grace in his eyes. And who was that? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and the Lord could use him, and he went about to build an ark. Are we building up? He told him what to use, the gopher wood and everything, and he was faithful to that. And when it was done, the Bible said he pitched it in Deitch's songs, inventing and ausbending. Inward and outward, he pitched it with pitch. It was not just a robe of garb, the garment of righteousness. It was something inside him. It was who he was. It wasn't just that he was putting on a show. You know, that ark was pitched inside and outside. The flood came. The lightning thundered. Or the lightning flashed, I should say. And the, the, and, the, and the thunder crashed. And the people had never been back. Never. Uh, they, I believe they mocked him and they scoffed him when he was building his ark. An ark, what's that? Oh, it's a boat. A boat. What's a boat? What? It's made to float. Well, why float? Because he said, Noah said, it's going to rain. Rain, what's that? It had never rained before. But they found out. 
It hadn't rained, and Noah and Faith built that for 120 years. 120 years tonight. I'm grateful that we have one that has made an opportunity that we can have our art pitched inside and out, ready for the storm. It's reserved this old world as we know it, and to fire against that day, my friend. A perdition of ungodly men, it says. It says here in the sea, then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought we to be in all? But holy conversation and godliness. Live our lives in circumspect, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because your days are evil. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. Verse 12, it says, Looking in hasty for the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. It says, Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, see that ye look for such things. Be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace and without spot and blameless. My friends, I believe that the bridegroom is coming for a bride that's going to be without spot and they're going to be at peace. Hallelujah. The account, it says, an account, it says, that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our brother, beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in his, all his epistles he wrote this, speaking in them of things, it says, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable, it says, they rest the scriptures into, unto themselves and unto their own destruction. How can we do that? And then it goes on and says, ye therefore, it says, that we know these things because it says beforehand, beware lest ye also being led away with the air of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. And then it says in verse 18, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to grow in grace, my friends. Tonight, I trust that we have a heart to do that. And then we don't just sit back and we scoff at the thing of Jesus coming again, my friends. There are times that there are people that they rest the scriptures. The Bible says that there's going to be a people. There was a people in Peter's time and in Paul's time. There were people that were, in Timothy it talks about, that they had a form of godliness, but they were denying the power thereof. And we could be sitting here tonight, and we could be looking good. We could be looking good all dressed up and everything. But my friends, we could be sitting here, and no one knows what's going on inside, my friends. But God does tonight. We can have a show tonight. We can have, we can be dressed up, and everything but denying the power thereof and if you if you my friends tonight if you allow to live in the spirit of jesus christ and what he's got in his word and you're consistent and you're faithful you're going to be scoffed at but the bible says that we are to rejoice when we suffer for his name it does say that so tonight i want to close this session at this time understanding that jesus christ is coming again. That is, that we can't get around that. It's not maybe, or it's not if. He's coming again. Tonight, we're going to close our Bibles. We're going to close our eyes. But we're going to open our heart tonight as we bow our heads in prayer in the closing of this message. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening in the name of Jesus. We thank you again for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for speaking to us through your word. 
We thank you, Father, for loving and caring for us and sending Jesus that we do not need to be as orphans here on this earth, but we have one that is with us, and the Bible says that he is in us, and that's the Holy Spirit tonight. And I just pray that you would just help all of us to be faithful to your voice tonight. As you speak to us, O oh Father, that we can listen to what you have to say. Tonight I pray that you would bless each one here in a special way, that the blood of Jesus would be over them, protect them from harm and danger. I thank you for the chorus that came here from Mountain View and sang tonight. I thank you for them. Bless them for their efforts and their ministry. Would you be near them, protect them as they travel home. And so we just pray tonight that you would just have your way in the next few minutes here. And if, if there would be someone tonight that is just sitting here and kind of sweating out the time until we're done, and that he's fearful of being here tonight, I pray that he would be broken. Oh God, we know your word is as a hammer and to break the heart of hearts, oh God. The heart, the stone, hearts of stone you can make into a heart of flesh tonight. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.